Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Hello, church, and uh, thank you for joining us on our online Wednesday service. Uh, my name is Manolo. I'm one of the pillar pastors here at Dayspring Church, and uh, it's such a privilege and an honor that you've opened up your homes, uh, your living rooms, so that we would come and be a blessing to you. Praise God. Well, it's October 7, 2020. Um, I think a lot of us are expecting this year to be over. Uh, you know, it, whoever who would have ever thought that a microbe from China would have caused so much pain, so much havoc. It has not only affected uh, our personal lives, but it has affected uh, our church. It has affected our spiritual lives. You know, I read a, an article on Christianity Today that said that when this pandemic is over, it, um, 30, 30% will not be returning. That's a staggering number. You know, I, I pray that um, that you don't grow weary in doing what is good and what is righteous. Praise God. Hey, I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Judges chapter 7. It's the story of Gideon. A Gideon, an ordinary man who God used for an extraordinary purpose. Praise God. So Gideon chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Judges chapter 7. Uh, we're going to be reading. So if you open up your Bibles, you open up your iPads, whatever you use to to read the Word of God, let's open up. But before we go to the Lord, before we go into uh, the Word, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you. Thank you and bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because you have allowed us, Lord, to stand before you. You have allowed us, Lord, to be, God, children of you. And so, Lord, we pray, God, as I open up uh, our, this Word, open up our hearts, our minds, let, let us see, let us hear, reveal your truth to us, God, that we may grow spiritually in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And can the church of God say, amen, and as the pastor says, amen. You know, the challenge of living in a, living a Christian life in a godless, immoral, pleasure-driven culture can be overwhelming. We look around us and, and we see that most Christians make no attempt whatsoever to make an impact in their culture. For the Lord, you know, only a few are willing to pay the price to, and to do what's necessary, really, uh, to to be victorious for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in these these days that we're living in today, not many politicians live their faith if they're saved at all. Just a few, and we thank the Lord for the few that do. In the world of education, there are just a few, but not many, who live their faith in their classrooms. Our young people are encouraged to be witnesses for the Lord, and, and we thank the Lord for them. But we know that there's just a few on campus who, who, who are there who are going to school who are really committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. On our jobs, there are just a few Christians who are willing to live uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of this hostile atmosphere. Sometimes in this kind of environment, this kind of cultural situation, uh, we are filled with despair and we have a sense of defeat and we raise the question, what can a few do? Well, that's not the question. The question is not what can a few do. 
The question is, what can God do with a few? Now, that's the real question. And so the book of Judges is an account of the children of Israel. They're, they're being brought into the land of Canaan. And they find themselves surrounded by a pagan, hostile culture. Now, there were a few people who lived for the Lord in the midst of those days. But the truth of the matter is that the majority of the Israelites capulated the Canaanite culture. And there were only a few that God could count on. Only a few that God could do something with. God has always had his remnants. And so I want to encourage you tonight with the promise of 1 Samuel chapter 14 verse 6 where it says nothing where it says nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. Now that means that the Lord that the number doesn't matter to the Lord. That's saying that the Lord doesn't have to have a big crowd to get the job done. Can I get an amen? The question tonight is not how many, but what can God do with a few? Now, the classic illustration in all of history and all of the Bible of what God can do with a few is the account of Gideon and the 300 men. You know, the Bible says that God is, is getting Israel prepared for a great battle against their enemy, the Midianites. And they have a formidable situation. The odds are absolutely against Gideon. They're absolutely overwhelming. And Gideon was an ordinary man uh, with weaknesses and fears and failures, just like you and I. Can I get a witness? But, but, but Gideon was a man who allowed God every morning to put him on as a coat. You know, we are told in the sixth chapter, verse 34, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And that, that literally means that, that, that the Lord put Gideon on as a coat. You know, one spirit-filled man was willing to let God use him. Oh, what a few can do. And so the Bible says that he blows the trumpet. And he assembles an army and gets together 32,000 men. Well, quiet. It's quite a crowd. 32,000 people show up. Now, you have to understand that there's always a difference between a crowd and really being what God wants us to be. And when you study the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find the initial stages that the people followed the Lord Jesus Christ because of the miracles and because they, uh, he fed them miraculously with loaves and fishes. And so along the way, the people began to go away and the Lord was left with just a few. You see... It's not the crowd that really matters. It is those who are willing to let God use them that really makes a difference. You see, there's a difference between building a crowd and building a church. Now, you can get a crowd with just about anything. Now, I heard a story about a church that was having Miracle Day. It was having a high attendance day. And so they announced that they were going to have Ed the Wonder Horse there. Now Ed was there and they asked Ed, how much is one plus one? And Ed stomped two times. Oh, the little kid's eyes got really big. Then they said, Ed, how much is two plus two? And Ed stomped four times. The eyes of the adults got really big. Then they said, Ed, how many hypocrites are in the church? And Ed broke into a dance. Praise God. 
You see what I'm trying to say? It's, it's not the crowd that makes the difference. It's the few that God can use. So let's follow the story. And I want us to call attention, first of all, to this reducing army. Now we are told in verse 1 that Gideon gets all the people together. 32,000 men. And they're getting ready to do battle against the Midianites. And we learn in the 8th chapter, 10th verse, that there are 135,000 in the army of the Midianites. Now Gideon was looking at, at the 35,000 and he's looking at his 32,000 men. And he was thinking, man, the odds are overwhelming. The odds are four to one. I'm sure I can do it, maybe, but it's going to be tough. Now Gideon was looking at the army and thinking, man, it's just too few. But the Lord says to Gideon in verse two, it says, the people that are there are too many. And Gideon said, it's too few? And the Lord said, Gideon, you have too many in your army. And Gideon said, Lord, what are you talking about? What does this mean? He says to him in verse 4, Gideon, there are too many. If I allow them to go to battle with that many in their army, they're going to vaunt themselves. In other words, they're going to boast. They're going to say, it was by our strength. It was by our hands that we defeated the enemy. And he said to Gideon, Gideon, I want you to preach a sermon to the people entitled, Have You Counted the Cost? Now, when we read the book of Deuteronomy, the 20th chapter, God gives some specific, specific instructions about this matter in going into battle. Well, let me read what verse 8 says. It says, then the officers will also say, if anyone here afraid or worried, if you are, you may go home before you frighten everyone else. Now, the Lord understands that fear is contagious. Amen. You know, when one is afraid, it always has a way of catching other people to be afraid also. Fear is contagious. But let me tell you that faith is contagious. One is afraid, he makes others afraid. But when one has faith in God, when one trusts God, when one believes God, others can have faith in God. You know, your faith can change someone's need. So be bold and willing to do what God tells you to do. You might end up leading someone to the Lord or, or help someone stay grounded in the middle of this pandemic. Can someone say amen? So Gideon challenges the people and he says, now all of you who are afraid, count it a cost and go back home. Well, you know, I can imagine Brother Gideon went uptown the next day and, and he was walking around and someone asked him, hey, Brother Gideon, did you have a good service yesterday? Oh, yes, we had a good service. Gideon, can you tell us a little bit about your additions? Gideon said, no, we didn't have any additions, but we did have some subtractions. Gideon must have said, we went from 32,000 men to only 10,000. You see, God is putting a test in front of Gideon. God is putting a test in front of us. God is reminding us that we must not fear. That we must put our confidence. That we must put our trust. That we must put God first. Totally, absolutely. And trust God in every situation. Praise God. And the Lord comes to Gideon and then he tells Gideon, Gideon, you have too many. Gideon, you have too many. 
I'm going to put them to the test. I'm going to take the people down to the water and we're going to see how those people drink. Well, this is an ordinary, mundane kind of experience, right? You see, sometimes put, God puts us to the test in ordinary experiences of life. Are, are you aware of the fact that the Lord is looking at you, not only in the times of crisis, but in ordinary times? You know, you never know who's watching you, in, in not only in tough times, but in ordinary situations. You know, I ran across this, uh, this saying, we went to biology, and it said, make every occasion a great occasion. You see, you can never tell when someone is taking your measure for a larger place. If you want to be used for greater things, you have to be faithful to God in the smaller things. So the Bible says that they divided two kinds of ways to drink the water. Some of them went down through the water and they evidently scooped the water up in their hands and lapped uh, the water like a dog would lap uh, with his tongue. And others got down on their knees and put their faces in the water. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what this means. You know, some commentary say that uh, they were probably not prepared, not, not vigilant. And others, I'm not sure what it means. But, but God was putting uh, the people to a test. God was going to see who was willing to pay the price. Church, let me tell you. That, that this pandemic, this virus didn't catch God off guard. God knew it was going to happen. He's sovereign. He knows the beginning from the end. I believe that, that God is putting this church in this hour, in this time, it, to a test. God is going to see who is truly willing to pay the price. I believe that God is putting the church to a test in this time that we are living in today. Who is truly willing to stand up for Jesus? Who is truly willing to come to church? Who is truly willing to pay the price? I believe that God is putting the church to a test in this time and in this hour. Can someone say amen? Now, instead of 10,000, the Bible says they go down to 300 men. You know, I could, um, I could imagine the next day, Brother Gideon went uptown and someone said, Hey, Gideon, how were the service yesterday? Now, Gideon said, Well, we had a pretty good service. What about your additions? Well, we didn't have any additions. We lost 9,700 men. Gideon could have written quite a book about church growth, couldn't he? How I took my Sunday school from 32,000 to 300 in three services. Now, what is the Lord doing? Anybody, ask, anybody ever ask that question? In the midst of your trials, in the midst of your situation, you ask the Lord, what in the world is the Lord doing? You see, sometimes we don't understand what God is doing because we can't see beyond tomorrow. You talk about impossible odds. The odds for Gideon are now 400 to 50 to 1. You see, what God was doing is he was bringing them down to utter hopelessness. He was bringing them down to a point of utter weakness. He was bringing them down to the point where they feel absolutely helpless. Sometimes God cuts down our resources in order that we might be aware that we must depend totally, absolutely, and completely on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you're willing to let God get the glory, there's no telling what God can do with the few.
If you're willing to let God get all the honor and all the glory, there's no telling what God can do in your life. If you are willing to let God get the praise, uh, if you're willing to let God get the glory, if a few are willing to be an instrument for the Lord, a few are willing to do that. There's no telling what God can do in your life. You can win some battles in this world that we are living in today. If you allow the Lord to use you in a mighty and special way, can someone say amen? I remember a statement by John Wesley. He said, give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and and love nothing but God and I'll shake the gates of hell. God has always worked with a little group. It's always the master's minority that gets the job done. Praise God. It's always the faithful few on fire for Jesus Christ who do the work. And, and I'm aware that I'm talking to the, to, the, to the cream of the crop. I'm aware I'm talking to those who every Wednesday night they, they, they log in. I'm talking to those in our fellowship here on on Wednesday. You're, you're the ones that God can count on. You're Gideon's 300. You are the master's minority. Praise God. Praise God. A friend of mine, Melissa, we went camping a few years ago. She's a wilderness girl. I guess that's what you call her, a, a wilderness girl. You know, she said, hey, build a flyer. I didn't know how to build a fire. I was out there with my matches. And she showed me how to build a fire. She said, you don't build a fire by putting fire under the big backlog. But you get a little kindled wood and you get it burning really good. The next thing you know, the bigger pieces will start burning. And when you get those bigger pieces burning, the next thing you know, that big old back, backlog begins to pop and wheeze and to burn. You are the kindled wood. You are the little group that God can use. If you're willing to let God use you, if you're willing to be faithful, if you are willing to be a witness for the Lord, you know, 300 plus God equals a majority in every circumstance, in every situation. If you start reducing the army of God, there's no telling what God can do. God is going to show us how victory comes in the name of Jesus. And as we move on in the passage, look at what verse 9 says to 15. This assuring general. Gideon was a man just like we are. Gideon was a man God used. The Bible says that God put him on as a coat, yet Gideon was an ordinary average man. Gideon is going to have to be assured. In verse 9, look at what it says. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered into thine hands. You know, this was the fourth time that, that God had given a promise that he was going to give Gideon victory over the Midianites. Look at what verse 10 says. But if thou fear to go down, Go with Fura thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thy hands be strengthened. Go down to the host. Now, God had already given the promise to Gideon several times that, that they were going to win the, the victory, that they were going to win. 
But I have a feeling that night that, that Gideon couldn't sleep. I, I have a feeling that Gideon was, was kind of rolling and tossing and turning. Uh, you ever get that way when you can't sleep? Man, I have. I, I remember one time when we were just married, we went to a, to a, a car dealer, and we were just checking it out. By the time we left, we left on a, with a uh, SUV, and I couldn't sleep that night because I thought, man, I can barely support my wife. How am I going to support? How am I going to pay this car payment? You know, that night an unwelcome visitor creeps into the tent. That unwelcome visitor is fear. That fear arises its ugly head in Gideon's heart. And you know what? The Lord is aware of it. The Lord knows that there is fear in Gideon's heart. You know, Gideon was no Terminator. Gideon was no John Wayne. He wasn't General Schwarzkopf rolled into one. He was a man with weaknesses. He was a man that looked at the odds and the obstacles and, and the tremendous responsibility that was his. And fear came moving into his heart. That's why I believe that, that during this time, during this pandemic, during this hour that we are living in today, that we must pray for our pastor. Now, I don't think there's ever been a pastor. I don't think there's ever been a minister. I don't think there's ever been a time where a pastor has ministered through this time, through this pandemic. So we must pray for our pastor. It's an awesome responsibility thinking about who's coming, who's going, who's coming to church, how much is coming in, how much is not. It's a big responsibility. And there have been times, and he's not here to, to, to say anything, but he's been, there's been times where he's told me he hasn't slept. Let's pray for our pastor. So the Lord says, Gideon, I'm going to give you a sign. I want you and your servants to ease down close to the tents where the Midianites are. And so that night, Gideon and the servants go creeping cautiously down the hill, scrambling down the hill. And as they get closer to the tents of the Midianites, there were some soldiers who couldn't sleep that night either. And Gideon and his servants, there they're listening, they're eavesdropping. And one soldier of the Midianites said to another, you know, I had a strange dream just a while ago. I dreamed that the roll of barley bread came rolling down the mountains and came and hit me on one of our tents and it collapsed the tent. The other one said, oh, I tell you what that means. That means that God is going to give the victory to Gideon. That means we're goners. It means it's just a matter of time before we lose. Now look at verse 14. This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hands hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Now, isn't that an interesting thing? That the enemy realized, hey, the jig is already up. Gideon had already won the victory. The enemy realized that, that, that the jig was up, that Gideon did but, but Gideon didn't have an assurance in his heart. You see, the enemy itself knows that he is defeated. The, the ones who really ought to be afraid in this world are the forces of darkness because we have read the book and we know that victory is ours and that the enemy is on his way out. You know, the Apostle Paul tells the Philippian church, he says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. 
You know, on one occasion, the Lord Jesus Christ was confronting a demon-possessed man. And the demon said to Jesus, we know who you are. You come to torment us before time. You see, the demons themselves know that they are assigned to the pit. It's just a matter of time and victory will be won. We don't have anything to be afraid of. The battle has already been won. God has already promised you and I victory. God has already promised us the victory. It's just a matter of time. Oh, we serve a wonderful God who assures us that we have victory in Jesus' name. You know, sometimes we get the idea that a victorious Christian is that Christian that is cool and calm, just like me. <laughs> it's that Christian that is covered up in self-confidence. It's that Christian that has it all together, that uh, he or she is dynamic and dynamite. No, no, that's not the way it is at all. Most of us are ordinary, weak fearful people who need the strength of the Lord. We are just ordinary people who will let God strengthen us and overcome our fears and use us in spite of our weaknesses. Praise God. You were never meant to fight your battles on your own. God is there with us. So let me read the statement in the book of Hebrews. It discusses this period of time in the judges where the great heroes of faith are mentioned. How God would use them. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 34. It says, out of weakness they were made strong and they waxed valiant to the fight. You know, one translation puts it this way. Weak people who are given strength to be brave in war. Let me read it again. Weak people were given strength to be brave in war. Now, have you ever seen, seen that sign, no fear? I'm sure you have. It's like two eyes and it says no fear. Well, I'm not sure exactly what it means, but I know it's not true. You say, I don't have fear. Well, don't give me that line. All of us have fear. I know better than that. Everybody has fear. Everybody has to deal with fear. Everybody needs the strength of the Lord. Can someone say amen? Everybody who's listening to me out there needs the strength of the Lord. Everybody looks at the odds in which they find themselves as believers. But I have some good news for all of you. That in the midst of our fears, we have a Savior who has told us that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, power and of a sound mind. The word power there is the Greek word dinominos, which means dynamite. God has given us power. He has given dynamite. Hallelujah. He has given the faith to overcome the enemy. Can someone shout amen? Look at, I like verse 15. The Living Bible translated, and it says, all Gideon could do was just stand there worshiping God. Have you ever been in that situation? I'm sure you have. You ever been there? Man, you're going through hell or high water. Circumstances, situations. Your boat is sinking. Amen. You, you've gone through, through quite a bit. But then God assures you in your heart that it's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. I remember that song. Everything is going to be all right. It's a gospel song. You ever been there? God assures you in your heart. Verse 15 says, all Gideon could do was stand there worshiping God. He had assured him the victory. 
He had assured Gideon the victory. And the Bible says all Gideon could do was stand there worshiping God. Amen. When God just gives you such an evident sign that, hey, everything's going to be all right. When he gives you a sign that it's going to be all right. That the situation, amen, is going to be good. That the situation, amen, is going to be all right. All you can do is stand there and worship and praise God. All you can do is just stand there and worship the Lord. All you can do is stand there and say, thank you, Jesus. Because in the midst of my storm, in the midst of my trials, in the midst of my situation, you have given me the strength to continue on. All Gideon could do was worship the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? When God just assures you that he has, he's got your back, that God is walking with you. All you can do is stand there and say, God, I worship, I praise, I thank you. Can someone say amen? Verse 15 says, arise for the Lord has delivered you into the hands of the Midianites. Arise, stand up. Proclaim the truth. If God has given you the victory, stand up, arise, worship the Lord. He is saying, onward, Christian soldiers marching as war. As the song says, with the cross of Jesus going before you, we are headed to battle. Praise God. And I tell you, arise, church. This is a time for us to proclaim that God has given us the victory. Last but not least. A defeating army. This is when the account gets really strange. You know, our God is constantly filled with surprises. You know, one of the things I, I love about the Bible is it's not a boring book. Now, if you think it's a boring book, that means you haven't read it a whole lot. It's an exciting book. I mean, the first chapters of Matthew, of course, where he begets, he begets, and they beget, and everybody begets, is a little overwhelming. But, but, Overall, the Bible is just an awesome book. And the Lord is going to give them their weapons of warfare. Now, Gideon tells all the men, all right, everybody, line up. We're going to handle out, handle some, hand out some battle gear. You know, I have a feeling that some of the men were excited. You know, they were happy. You know, some of the men were probably saying, man, you know, this is really going to be something. This is really going to be get big. You know, if, in, in, in verse... Uh, in chapter 5, you know, the, if the Lord gave Deborah fire out of heaven, you know, and gave them lightning, gave them a thunder, thunder, thunderstorm, there's no telling what, what God is going to do with a, a few men like ours. You know, I, I could imagine those men were excited. Some of them were, were probably saying, God is going to give us some Molotov cocktails. You know, God is going to give us some bazookas. God is going to give us some machine guns. He's going to give us some tanks. I mean, it's got to be something big. And they all get in line. And Gideon says, all right, everybody. You get a horn. Everybody gets a jug and a torch. And the 300 men are standing there. They have a horn to blow, a jug to break, and a torch to burn. Oof. <laughs> That's not exactly what they thought. That's not exactly what they had in mind. I mean, they thought this was going to be massive. They thought it was going to be big. Do you remember what the Lord said in the New Testament? That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds? Here they are with these instruments. Now, what, what do these things mean? 
Now, I, I've pondered this, and, and I may be speculating. I mean, I went back and forth looking at, at what they really meant. And forgive me if I spiritualize it just a bit. But maybe I'm not too far off. I, I'm thinking what the ram's horn is. To me, the ram's horn reminds me of our witness. Each one of you are witnesses for Jesus Christ. Look at what 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. It says, the word of God says, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. That means our witness. That's what a few can do. A few can give witness. And my question is, did you give your witness to everybody? Or did you blow the gospel trumpet? Or are you blowing the gospel trumpet every day? You know, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul that everywhere he went, he talked about his experience. That experience that he had on the road to Damascus, how he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, he talked everywhere he goes. He went before Festus and Agrippa, and he told Agrippa you know, his experience. And Agrippa said, you think you're going to persuade me to be a Christian? You know, he, he blew his trumpet. Everywhere he went, he talked about how Jesus Christ saved him. The Bible says, if a trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for battle? So be sure that your witness is clear and constant with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So my question is, did you witness? Have you blown the gospel trumpet today? Did you tell someone about Jesus Christ today? That's our witness. Now I'm going somewhere with this. Now look at the jar. The jar was just a clay vessel. Now, I like what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power, there's that word again, power, dynamite, may be of God and not of us. Now, Paul is saying here that we have this treasure in just old clay pots. That reminds us of our weaknesses. The trumpet is our witness. The clay is our weakness. That's all we are. Don't ever get to thinking that we are the ones who do it. That we are the ones who are doing it. No, it, it, everything flows through God. The only way these clay jars could be a blessing at all is if they were broken. You see, before those jars could be a blessing, they had to be broken. Before the army of the Lord, before these 300 men won the victory, they first had to break those jars. They first had to blow the horns, and then they had to break the jars. And that's true for every one of us. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that God will never make a blessing out of us until we are broken. Let me say that again. God will never make a blessing out of us until we are broken. And I think of one of the greatest books that I ever read. It's probably out of print. I tried looking for it the other day. It was by M. Arch DeHaan. It's called The Book of Broken Things. And he just went through the whole Bible and showed us how God never used anything until he broke it. Hallelujah. He talked about the alabaster box of perfume and how the Lord Jesus Christ broke it and it became a blessing. 
He talked about the Lord Jesus Christ himself going to the cross of Calvary and he was broken. And when he was broken, he became a blessing. The savior of the whole world. God has a way of breaking us. Can someone say amen out there? God has a way of breaking us. You may not understand that brokenness, but God is breaking you to make you a blessing. God is breaking you to make a blessing. Praise God. And sometimes he breaks us with disappointments in life. Hello. Sometimes he breaks us with failures. Hey man, sometimes he breaks us with turmoil. And sometimes he breaks us with those heartaches and those hurts of life. If God is breaking you tonight, let me encourage you. Let me assure you. Let me tell you that God is breaking you because he wants you to be a blessing. When Jesus broke the bread, it became a blessing if God is breaking you tonight it's because God wants to use you if he's breaking you tonight it's because God wants you to be a blessing to someone else if God is breaking you tonight you may not understand it hallelujah but maybe God is just breaking you he's putting you on that the the, the wheel that that and, and molding you to, to to be his if he is breaking you tonight let me assure you that God wants you to be a blessing can someone say amen so the trumpet is our witness. The jar is our weakness. Well, you may say, what about the burning torch? 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we have this treasure on earthen vessels. Well, what is the treasure? Verse 6, for God who commandeth the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm almost finished. Look. The treasure is in the jar. The treasure in the jars was the burning torch. The light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. When you blow the trumpet of witness and you are aware of your weakness and aware of his worthiness. And let him break you so that the light of Jesus can be seen. Something good is going to happen. Something powerful is going to happen. So if you blow the horn and become a witness for Christ, and if you allow the Lord to break you, hallelujah, then your light is going to shine upon this world. Praise God. But you first have to blow the torn of witness. Yes, I've been there. Yes, I've done that. Yes, it happened to me. Yes, I've been broken. But check this out. I am now the light. I am now the light that God can use to shine on this world. I am a testimony. I am a living testimony that God can use an ordinary person for an extraordinary person. I am a witness that God is awesome working in my life. He broke me, but now I'm moving forward for the kingdom of God. God can use you, praise God. So the Lord said through Gideon, I'll tell you what to do. He says in verse 20, told the Lord, and these three companies blew the trumpets and they break the plitchers. And held the lamps in their hands and the trumpets in their hands to blow withal. And they cried with the sword of the Lord. And Gideon said, and Gideon said unto them, the Lord is with us. Yes, we are a few. But God can use you. 
And here's the way I visualize what's happening. I'm almost finished. There are 300 of them. And then they were given the sig- signal when Gideon said, said it, and they blew their trumpets. So they blow their trumpets. They smash their, bar, their, their jars, and they burn their torches. And in verse 21, it says, And they stood every man in this place round about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. What can God do with just a few? What can God do with just a few? I don't know what impact this is going to have on our church. I don't know what impact it's going to have on our people. I don't know what an impact it's going to have. You'd be surprised what God can do with just a few. You'd be surprised what God can do with a few. If you are willing to blow your trumpet and be a witness. If you are willing to be broken, then the light of Jesus will shine upon you. Now what would happen? What would happen if if all of us, I'm talking about the cream of the crop, the master of minority, the faithful few on fire, would, would, would get in your place where, where you are supposed to be and, and be what God wants you to be. There would be victory all the time. You know, the last verse of the chapter, it says that they took two kings' heads off, Oreb and Zeb. I don't know if I said that right. I'm trying to say if, if God's people in Mission Hills, if God's people in Dayspring would stand in their place and do what is right, we would take some heads off the kings of this culture. We take some heads off the kings of pornography in the city. We take some heads off the kings of alcohol in the city. We take the heads off the kings of the drugs in the city. We take the, 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 the heads off the pedophiles of this city. It doesn't take a big crowd. It takes a willing crowd. To let God use for his honor and his glory. Will you let God use you? Will you let God use you? I don't know what 2021 is going to happen. But there's going to be a faithful few. A remnant who God has. Who is going to be used for his honor and his glory. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him.
Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.